The Connection Games. Anybody else? Committed to getting over social anxiety, I did make myself go out more. It had grown easier, but there were still challenges. At a party the day before I gave up alcohol, I met a guy in the community called Joshua Hayward. That night, our communication was a bit awkward, but we started to go to improv classes on Monday nights, and that's when everything started to change. For those of you who don't know, improv is comedy where you get to improvise scenes and perform fictional characters. Shows like Whose Line Is It Anyway were based on this format. Improv was something I wanted to do, but I put off because of my anxiety. Eventually, I plucked up the courage to attend, and it slowly started to help me. It's funny what acting out scenes when you're playing weird characters does to you. There was a scene that Joshua said really showed a different side to me. My assignment was I had to show up at a home and pretend that I was afraid of air. So I rang the doorbell and when the door opened, I ran, launched myself 10 feet across the floor. So picture a fish out of water flopping around the floor and you'll get the idea. I discovered that when you don't worry what people think, through an outlet such as improv, you begin to notice changes outside of improv. So after six to eight weeks of solid classes twice weekly, I found more calmness and relaxation around people. I didn't worry so much. A few months after my afraid of air scene, Joshua invited me to some connection games at his home with a select group of close friends. With a fresh perspective and open to more new experiences, I was excited to connect more deeply with others. This was when another unexpected moment arrived. My roommate Jessica and I were at a party nibbling on some food, chatted with some other guests, and then these connection games began. They started with simple games where you looked at your partner and expressed how you were feeling. For example, one person might say, looking at you, I notice your smiling face. The other person will reply, in feeling that, I'm happy and my heart feels full. After about an hour, it was time for the next game, anybody else. In this game, we made a circle from the 14 or so people in the room. And to participate, you would step in and say something like, despite all the work that I've done on myself, I feel lonely, anybody else. Then, if anyone else felt the same way, they would step into the circle. This meaningful step is what helped the person who shared feel less alone, knowing that others were going through the same challenges. It's a very powerful exercise. Other people would step in and say things like, I always feel like I'm never going to reach my potential. Anybody else? Or, I'm constantly worried what people will think of me. Anybody else? This game really does take a lot of courage. It is not natural to say what your truth is. Anymore, it is a courageous step to step in the circle when you resonate with the words that someone else speaks. Then one participant stepped into the circle and said, here's anything else, and I froze. My heart started pounding and there was something pulling me back from standing into the circle, even though I needed to. I was thinking to myself, what is going on? The seconds ticked away and I just couldn't do it. I couldn't step into that circle. The resistance was just too much, even though part of me wanted to. It was too late, and I knew I missed my chance to own up to the truth that I had only shared with two people in my entire life. Admitting this would have released a burden I'd carried around me for some time, and the personal shame of it, but I just couldn't do it. My thoughts didn't let me off the hook so easy after that game. I kept on thinking to myself, why couldn't I step in? 
As the connection games continued, my thoughts around not sharing didn't get easier. Time was running out in that evening and I wanted to get it off my chest, but I didn't know when would be a good time. We were onto the last game called Hot Seat. We decided to move over to the sofas and on the way there, I saw a black ball. I didn't know what it was at the time, but later I found out it was a juggling ball. It was about the size of a grapefruit and it captured my attention, so I picked it up. For some reason, I kept hold of it. As I sat down on the sofa, I listened to Joshua share the rules of the game. I found myself juggling my black ball, moving my hand around it, throwing it up and down. I was nervous and the ball was my energetic outlet. Meanwhile, Joshua explained the game and how it worked. Someone would sit in the hot seat and it was our chance to ask questions to anyone who wanted to go. There were three levels of questioning, mild, medium, and spicy. If someone picked spicy, you could ask them anything you liked. They didn't have to answer, however. The first person volunteered and the questions got intense quickly, but everyone had relaxed into the games and were okay with answering. I knew that I wanted to play. It was just a matter of time before I sat in the hot seat. The longer I waited, the more my heart pounded. It's like when you get really nervous and you give in your notice at work. You have a new job and are just afraid to, afraid to tell a boss, so you put it off. But finally, I volunteered. There was no other time to do this. I had to do it. Still throwing around my black ball up and down, I got up and sat in the seat and faced everybody. Time for the questions to begin. My curiosity was going wild, wondering who would ask the first question. Jessica, my roommate, jumped straight in and asked me the first question. Simon, I'm curious, what was it that you didn't step into the circle for? And here it was, I had to answer. I breathed in and said, when I was young, I experimented and had a sexual experience with another boy. In that moment, without me thinking about it, the black ball I was holding onto launched itself out of my hands and landed on the floor with a big thump. It was like energy in my body shifted and I had no control over the action. Everyone sitting around was taken back and we all just sat there for a moment in silence. This was such a symbolic moment. This heavy black weight I'd been carrying minutes before finally released from me. My entire body started to relax. I sat back in the seat and said, I think I'm done. Despite having told two others about that experience, my shame still had power over me until that moment. Now more people knew my secret, but one thing was different. Joshua had created a safe environment for me to share and I was eternally thankful. The rest of the night was effortless, which was rare and welcome feeling for me. After Jessica and I finally left, she asked me, how are you? I feel great, I said, and I did. It was an amazing moment and something cleared within me. I felt lighter. Spiritual Hustle, The Circle. A few days after the hot seat, I met up with Joshua and mentioned that I was thinking about bringing the connection games to the bi-weekly free event that was hosted at The Ranch called Spiritual Hustle. I wanted him to facilitate. The purpose of this entire event was to help connect like-minded entrepreneurs. During our talk, I kept on using the word important. This work was important, and I wanted our tribe to experience what I had gone through during the hot seat. So we decided to call the next spiritual hustle event, The Circle, where we would play a similar series of connection games. 
Since this group was encouraging and accepting of these deeper types of conversation and connection, there were no adjustments made for the games. It was also a great chance to take advantage of the great space at the ranch. We decided to use the living room and the basketball court for the circle and the anybody else game. Our usual group of about 30 arrived for the event. I felt pretty confident the same topic was going to be brought up in these games and now to an even bigger group of people who could learn about my secret. I found it interesting that even though I had shared my shame with a small group in the house, I was feeling nervous about sharing it with the spiritual hustlers. Honestly, I was unsure how it would unfold, but I was ready. We walked down to the basketball court and then started playing the games. We all lined up, got into pairs and started to connect. Eventually, it was time for anybody else. My heart immediately started to race as I knew that I would need to step in if someone else shared something like I made out with a guy or I had a sexual experience with a man. But if they didn't, would I be able to step into the circle of my own accord and share? Could I say, when I was young, I had a sexual experience with another boy, anybody else? It became evident that no one was going to take my first step for me. So I stepped into the center and stated, I had a sexual experience with another boy when I was young, anybody else. Three other men stepped into the circle and I knew them all, but I had no idea that they had the same experience. I felt safe. I was okay being me. I was okay with my story, with my life. I started to understand how much of a big deal I was making my shame when it didn't need to be that way. The important lesson that I took away from this was that while it felt amazing to lighten my shame at Joshua's Connection Games, it felt more empowering this time around because I took the first step. It was also clear to me that even though I had shared prior, I had to be okay with anybody knowing my truth to fully let go. After this experience and feeling the ever-increasing self-acceptance, I wanted to get the message out there to more people and there was a great opportunity coming up with my quarterly mastermind. Now that I had shared my black ball with an even bigger group, it was time to introduce these games to my closest group of clients. Once again, I decided to ask Joshua to facilitate. On day one of the mastermind, we got into pairs and started to play the games again. Once again, anybody else took place out of the basketball court. And once again, I decided to step in and share my truth. There was no fear of sharing this time, a big difference. It was like the shame had gone away. I really started to understand the power of repetitive sharing and sharing to those closest to me. The party. For as long as I've held one, I've always hosted my mastermind on my birthday, April 18th. And that day proved to be a great evening with my clients. However, Jessica had some bigger things planned and a final farewell to life at the ranch on the weekend after my actual birthday. It was Saturday and I knew Jessica had something on the horizon for the afternoon. I just didn't know the extent of it. My friendship with Jessica had grown very strong over the previous year. The two of us had gone through a lot and I knew she wanted my birthday to be something to remember. I got home around 2pm that afternoon from spending time with my mum who was visiting and her husband Josh. I saw cars all around so I knew something was up, but it wasn't until I entered through the front door that I took it in the massive magnitude of it all. I was overwhelmed to see a large group of my friends, spiritual hustlers and clients all gathered together in a corner of the room ready to surprise me. 
Seeing all of those people there for me was so special. I'd never had a large birthday party before. It turned into an incredible afternoon filled with laughter and fun. I felt so much love from everyone. I kept thinking, they're all here for me, really? Something inside me started to realize that people did like me for me and wanted to be there for me, not for all the things that I had acquired. A couple of hours into the party, Jessica asked me to sit down on the sofa, gathered everyone around inside and gave me a wonderful present, a video montage of people saying nice things about my character and the man I had become and the people that I had helped along the way. This was a high impact, emotionally charged moment, not just from the videos and the words, but from all of the effort that had been put in, a lot of care, attention and love. My body, heart and soul received this fully. Prior to that, I struggled to accept any type of compliment. This was one of the best days I ever had and I'm so thankful to everyone who came to spend time with me. The Awakening. My last week at the ranch had come and I still felt pretty amazing from my time with Kyle, the connection games and the birthday. However, there was a lot to arrange with the move. I decided to sell some things, give other things away and dump a lot into the garbage. It was a fresh start and I was committed not to take anything with me that I didn't love. I'm also not a bigger fan of packing and moving in general and there's a big detail of a very small space, 900 square feet, and this was a big change from 1.5 acres. My updates on Facebook were fairly consistent and usually filled with a lot of live videos. And on this particular day, on April the 25th, 2018, I experienced something incredible. I went live to talk about my new True Transformation program and I was on for just under 30 minutes. I felt normal enough maybe a little tired since it was late and since I normally go to bed at around uh, 10 to 11 p.m. So I ended that video and started on some computer work. With the move, I had to put in a bit of extra time in the evenings. Time passed by quickly and now it was 11.30 p.m. I started to feel an odd tingling in my arms, then around my back and eventually all over my body. It was unlike anything I'd felt before. And I've been through a lot of different spiritual experiences in many locations worldwide. This was completely new, indescribable, and the best that I can explain it as pure love and joy flowing through my body. About a minute after this started, I decided to capture the moment on Facebook Live, titling the video exactly what I was feeling, which was, I have no fucking idea what's happening to me right now. And you can watch the video at www.simonlovell.com slash blog slash awakening. Now, while it may come across that I'm not happy in that video, I absolutely am. In the moment, I was completely present with myself, but uncertain of what was happening. I later learned that I had a Kundalini awakening, which is primal energy at the base of the spine, which suddenly starts to get released. And there's whole books which talk about Kundalini awakenings. And this was you know, new to me. But what I learned was I started to really start to integrate and integrate who I was at my core. So, you know, I experienced a very different view on life and my ego kind of fell away. That moment revealed the Simon who had been missing and I knew that I was finally home. I became more present and that shift in energy allowed me 
to begin experiencing more in life. I finally stopped feeling like I needed to get somewhere. I was back. It's powerful to accept yourself and your entire story. Can you imagine? Through the work that I'd done on myself with the meditation with Kyle, leaving the home, letting go of the business, the party, the connection games, all of it, it led to complete self-acceptance. This guided me from living a double life, removing the masks and finding me, the real Simon Lovell. The week after my awakening was pretty eye-opening. My body felt different. I was looking at the world differently. Most of all, I experienced a very high amount of energy, inner peace and calm. I find it interesting that I felt okay before the awakening, but since then, I realize just how much better I feel now since my shift. This book is my humble attempt to explain how it happened for me because for so many years, I knew that something was up. I now understand personal transformation at a much deeper level. Do you have a black ball? In the month after my awakening, I just started the new True Transformation online program and tribe. The reason for this was simple and pure. I felt so empowered to serve this group from a completely different space energetically. The first video call went amazingly well with a lot of meaningful connections going on and shares within the group, many of which you will see over at truetransformation.com. But it wasn't until I hopped on a private mentorship call with one of my clients from Australia that something started to click. At that moment, I quickly realized how my new perspective on life would help me enhance the quality of other people's lives at a much deeper level. I was experiencing very high levels of intuition after my awakening and clients were experiencing massive changes because of it. On this call in particular, I started chatting with my client about some personal challenges she was having with her father and towards the end, I took her through a forgiveness meditation on the call. It went great and I knew that it helped her, but I felt something else was up. I sensed I should open up and I did. I started to share my story of when I went to Joshua's and I picked up the black ball. The moment I shared the story in full, I could see she started to get emotional because we were on a video conference call. Tears started flowing down her cheeks. What is it? I asked calmly. She didn't want to say the word, so I asked her, do you have a black ball? She nodded her head and shared with me something she had never told anyone. In her own words, this was going to be something that I would take to my grave. Also, one of the things she verbalized was that she felt lighter after she got it off her chest. The following week, I attended an event in Los Angeles with Kyle, and I was sitting outside having lunch with two of the participants. We were talking about life, and they were asking about the journey I was on. I told of the events from the past month, including sharing the black ball story. Once again, I ended it with a simple question. Do you have a black ball? One of them nodded and replied, yes, I do. She didn't want to tell me yet, though, which was okay. And it's not up to me for to force someone to share, but to let them know that they are not alone in having a black ball. She told me that she would approach me the following day for a chat. That day after lunch, she asked if I could talk to her and share her black ball with me. It was around sexual shame. And over time, I began to notice sex shame as a theme. Almost every black ball story I heard was beginning to have a similar theme. All I could offer was 
a safe place and a safe environment and give people the courage to share. And the more that I started to do this, the more different types of black balls started to come out. This entire awareness made everything so clear and I knew what had to happen on my next live True Transformation coaching call. On that call, I shared my black ball story and it was one of the most connected conversations I've ever had. After the call ended, members were sharing their black ball stories on live videos in the group and the more that everyone shared, the more others were encouraged to share. The more everyone accepted that they were not alone, the more and anybody else got encouraged to others. I realized that for me and for others, there are levels of sharing we can go through and the more people we share with, the more we're able to let go of because it has no power over us. My first stage in my sex shame included a couple of people who I told privately. Then there was Joshua's house. After that, spiritual hustle. Then to my mastermind. Then to the true transformation group. And finally, the world with this book. This stage progression is one that I've noticed with others as well. And it's good for people to understand these stages. It's not all out or not at all. And let's face it, even if you share privately with someone, it doesn't mean that you will share with a group because there's still fear of what others think. The more stages you can go up through, and the timeline is different for everyone, the more that you are okay with who you are, the more that you accept the story of your life and you don't have shame around it. You shift from shame up to courage because you have the courage to speak up. And this brings us home. This is about fully accepting the story of your life. And this may be hard to dig up, but we need to think about it because suppressing the emotion does the damage. And a lot of people, they push it to the background and it's a lot trapped in the subconscious mind. It's the spikes of all of the black balls inside us that slow us down in life and stop us from living. The sooner we can all realize this and experience the release, the better quality of life we will lead. We all have a choice if we want to claim our power back, and that can come if we are willing at some level to share our black ball story. Shortly, we will be getting into the process of releasing your black ball if you have one or multiple. But before we do that, I want to bring you the black ball stories. This next part will help you realize that you are not alone. And that when you recognize this, you can build up the strength to heal and love yourself as you are. The Black Ball Stories. Warning, please note that some of these stories contain both sexual and physical abuse content. Now that you've heard my Black Ball story and the impact it had on me being able to share it with the world, I wanted to share with you a selection of stories from the True Transformation Tribe. What is the True Transformation Tribe? Well, this is a coaching and mentorship group that I have, and you can find out more information at truetransformation.com. Many of these stories were shared via video in the group as a first or second stage release. Doing this was a big step for these individuals, and by sharing it in this audio program and the book, they are okay with the world knowing their story. You can't get much more courageous than that. And may this inspire you to address your black ball regardless of its size. And by listening to their stories, you are also doing something bold. 
you may be giving yourself permission to take the first step when you are ready to release. And these are the accounts as written originally by the individual. Sexual assault, the South Africa hijack. What began as a relaxing night of movies with my boyfriend turned into a nightmare that haunted me for the next 15 years. I was 17 years old at the time. My boyfriend was 21. At around 22.30, 11.30 p.m. on a Wednesday evening, we were parked outside my apartment and we were sitting in the car listening to one song before I went into my home. I turned to give him a hug goodbye. What happened in those split seconds have forever been imprinted in my mind. Suddenly, the whole car was surrounded by men with AK-47s knocking on the car windows so we'd let them in. Time froze. It felt like the blood left my body and life was happening in slow motion. We were both forced through the middle of two front seats onto the back seat. There we were, scrunched up in the middle and a guy with a gun on each side of us. They drove away. Fear, panic and disbelief set in. Why didn't they throw us out of the car? Normally, that's how hijackings in South Africa tend to happen. Interestingly, I had never had an issue with telling people the story up until this point. Usually from a state of anger, resentment, or to prove a point that South Africa isn't all that safe. You see, I left the country at the age of 22, as soon as I was able to relocate to London. I thought relocating from the country where that happened would make me feel better. Unsurprising to most, it didn't. My black ball isn't that I was hijacked at the age of 17. It was the shame that I carried around of being sexually assaulted and not raped. You see, that was my scapegoat. The first question I was asked was, were you raped? And by replying no, the assumption was, phew, I was so lucky. End of conversation. However, I didn't feel lucky at all. We were kept hostage for roughly three or four hours while they drove us around. It's hard to say what the exact timing was, any more than the routes we took. It's a bit of a blur. I do know what happened to me during that time, and it's as vivid as it happened yesterday. The guy that was to my left started groping my breast and yelled to me to kiss him like I kissed my boyfriend. With his tongue in my mouth and his hands now sliding under my panties into my vagina, I cried helplessly, please, I'm on my period. Tears streamed down my face, and even as I write this, I cannot stop myself from crying. For the longest time, I tried to. He tugged on my tampon string, but thankfully stopped. He removed his pants. He pushed my head down, wanting a blowjob, but there wasn't enough space on the back seat and said a handjob then. The next minute, he was tapping his handgun on my head, expressing his power over me to the other guys in the car. That was when I experienced an anxiety attack for the first time. It was a mixture of having the inability to breathe and wanting to vomit at the same time. What was happening to me at that moment brought it on, as well as the intense fear that I was going through being gang raped. Surprisingly, the car came to a quick stop and I braced myself, but he was the one thrown out and then beaten up by his own people. They apologized to me, saying that they were not to rape me, they just wanted food for their children. 
We weren't let go at this point. The story continues as we were then transferred to another car while they completely stripped my boyfriend's car. They removed everything they could, including the headrests, doorknobs, back seats, rear room mirror, carpets, and the entire sound system. After that happened, I was touched again by different guys, forced to kiss them, but they eventually transferred us back into our car, parked it in the middle of a field, tossed the keys outside somewhere, and told us to count to 100, then we could go. I've always suffered from blushing, not cute red cheeks blushing, deep floods of energy that would rush to my face and ears. It became worse after that day. That was the shame, my black ball, fragile and full of emotion. I was ashamed of being sexually assaulted. I felt internally dirty and carried blame around for being in the car too long while listening to that one song. Entwined with this was the belief that I had to count on myself as one of the lucky ones. The moment that I shared my black ball story within the incredible True Transformation tribe was the moment that the shame, guilt and blame dissipated and so did my years of blushing. I felt the energy literally leave my body. My face was so soft and squishy, just like a marshmallow. I cried for a couple of hours afterwards while being supported by the tribe. All of that has happened has been nothing less than profound. And that is by Lucinda Van Niekerk in London, UK. Infidelity, the barrier to new happiness. I heard of the story of the black ball from Simon twice. Both times we participated in sharing fears, doubts, and experiences that generate feelings of guilt or shame. I shared what I felt were, at the time, deep experiences that generated strong emotions. However, my heart and gut told me there was something else. After a call with the True Transformation Tribe, it hit me. I had strong emotions of something in my past still holding me back. While I had confessed the secret to my ex-wife and my current wife was aware of my past mistakes, one thing still haunted me. It was my infidelity in my previous marriage. The guilt from that action still weighed on me and my emotions. While my wife did not hold judgment, I feared the judgment of others, especially women. I excused the actions due to circumstances in my marriage, feelings of lack of love, connection, and the desire to be appreciated. Even upon confessing to my ex-wife, I still held guilt and hid the unfaithful acts from others. While my ex-spouse and I forgave each other after the divorce, I knew the hurt I caused her may never be totally healed. I knew the stigma that infidelity holds to many. Also, I pride myself on being seen as reliable, trustworthy, and dependable. I have many female friends who see me as a courteous, honorable, and loving husband to my wife now. What would they think if they knew my secret? How could they still see me as trustworthy? How could I still be as honorable as a man who can be trusted? These were all stories I told myself, huge fears generated by my brain that were keeping me from true growth and emotional freedom. How was my black ball released? I shared the story at first with a female coach in the tribe. It was what my worst fear staring right in front of me, a successful female who I highly respected and valued her opinion, someone who has helped me succeed in my business and I wanted to continue to help me. I didn't want her to stop seeing me as strong and positive. 
But there I was, and I was about to take action. I confessed my past mistake and waited to see if my mental fears materialized. The result? She thanked me for my sharing. She commended me on my strength. She praised me for my courage to share and told me that no, she did not think less of me. She actually thought more of me for telling her and trusting her. The next step, tell others. So I shared with our tribe. The result was the same, compassion and understanding, that we all have struggles, mistakes, and points of weakness. Your past does not dictate your present or future. And now I share with you in hopes that you will take the steps to release your black ball and relieve yourself of the guilt and shame that is holding you back from true growth. Nathan Church, San Diego, California. Sexual and physical abuse, hidden secrets. Anger, guilt, and shame plagued my spirit for as long as I could remember. Most who knew me would never have guessed this. I presented well as a doctoral, educated, licensed marriage and family therapist and behavior analyst doing work for prestigious universities. I also had successful businesses generating millions of dollars in sales within the service industries for the mental health and education. I advocated for optimal health and lifestyles for families with autism, ADHD, learning disabilities, and trauma. I appeared happily married to a police officer, had four amazing children, and all the beautiful material things most want. Inside, however, I was carrying this black ball full of darkness secrets that weighed as much as 13-pound African bush elephant. My police officer husband was physically and verbally abusive, neglecting my children and cheating on me with my disabled son's aid. My spirit was a hateful, helpless fraud trying to keep it all together. I kept quiet for 15 years about what was really happening in our home. I remained quiet just like I had as a child growing up with an alcoholic, drug-addicted parent rampant sexual abuse and physical abuse by family members and a violent rape at 14 years old by my father's construction workers who threatened my life if I told anyone. My secrets, all of them from my childhood into adulthood, led me to drugs, alcohol and excessive shopping and gambling to cope. I had become so good at hiding it all. I raged against a machine spiritless within my family, friends, church, and community, becoming suicidal, psychotic, and reckless in isolation. I ultimately woke up out of this self-induced facade through usual avenues at rock bottom, arrested, jobless, homeless, friendless, and most detrimentally, childless. After my own spiritual awakening within the AA community, Divine Spirit led me to Simon. Simon kindly opened up his home, his heart, and his wisdom. He offered guidance towards true transformation as no one ever had before. I would drive for over four hours to indulge in meditation, inquisitive games, and listen to great speakers like Mark Lovett of TEDx San Diego. My insatiable need to have enlightened entrepreneurial friends was reinforced by Simon's humble public transformation. I eventually hired Simon in hopes to further my spiritual and professional growth. In fact, my first consulting session was on the day Simon dropped his black ball. I felt honored and was present and part of this divinely experienced process. Deeply and eternally grateful Simon would encourage me to drop my own black ball publicly. 
Similar to Satnam's mantra, truth is my identity, the black ball allows us to experience true transformation. Processing the angered, guilt-ridden, shameful secrets with the support of a loving, enlightened community ended my silent suffering. Dropping the black ball freed me from spiritual and intellectual entrapment. I am experiencing life authentically joyous now. I have two mindful businesses and congruently inspire others to heal, awaken, and to do consciously with non-pharmaceutical programs and plant-based medicines. And that's by Jamie Lynn Melio, Los Angeles, California. Judgment. I sent her home crying. I was in a very lost and lonely place, out with friends one evening. I decided to stay out, even though I'd gone home. Waiting for a taxi, I got speaking with someone who I really related to. Having gotten speaking, what was physically obvious became not so. To me, this person I felt close to. One thing led to another. Me and this lady ended up in my bedroom. As we got close, I realized this lady was actually halfway through transition. The way I reacted is what I could not forgive myself for. I asked her to leave and sent her home crying. I felt ashamed to be ashamed, if that makes sense. She thought I knew. At first, I did know, which is what scared me. I forgot after getting to know her. I had not told anybody and told myself I never would. My sex life and friendships had felt false until I got this off my chest. I am now closer with my friends, family and partner since having let this one out. I am a straight man, but obviously had a lot of sexual insecurities. Now I am comfortable enough with my sexuality to let this story go. Holding this in was literally the opposite of letting go. James Hill, Reading, England. Failure, a crumbled foundation. My name is Alex and I'm a father, son, lover, personal trainer, martial artist, joker, entertainer, music player, video game enthusiast, knowledge seeker, analyzer, etc. But above all, I'm my truest self. After joining the True Transformation tribe run by Simon and hearing him share his black ball, I saw the impact that it had on him and others. And so I decided to follow suit to hopefully contribute. One of the hardest parts of my life from which I carried a lot of shame and guilt revolves around the time my girlfriend gave birth to our son. At the time, I was working in a family business with my dad and two stepbrothers while constantly getting high on marijuana. I'd be high pretty much most of the time with my newborn son, with my girlfriend, with my friends, with my family. I was reckless, paranoid, compulsive, careless, anxious and psychotic. I would call up my dad almost every day, getting into frenzied arguments as to how he should run his business, making demands, creating tension and chaos amongst the family and workplace. I would get to the point where I felt completely disconnected from reality and above everything, my ego was the ruler and no one else could see the world like me. I finally got fired when my son was three months old, losing all my income during my girlfriend's maternity leave. It was already a tough year in our relationship and we soon found out that her mother only had a few months to live with lung cancer. Even after deciding to stop consuming, I was still selfish, unprepared and unequipped to support my family. I was coming from such a bad place with low energy that I failed to feel much compassion for my, my grieving girlfriend. 
I remember being at the funeral and watching everyone cry but me. I was going out with my friends until late in the night, distracting myself from all the suppressed things that were trying to come up. My oldest son is five years old now, and I also have a two-year-old. I've fallen back into the drugs and reached that terrible state more than once during their lives. In fact, to be totally honest, I have trouble building a timeline, and most of it seems like a blur. I've missed out on truly experiencing moments and on everyone truly experiencing me. I've ignored, tried to repel, brought down, been aggressive, said regretful things, and probably more I'm not aware of. In releasing my black ball initially, I felt a lot of sadness, worry, shame, and guilt. I had a flood of tears come up over days. It all shifted at some point to an overall feeling of acceptance and peace. Now I feel way more optimistic and joyful when I'm with my family. Not holding onto that past and letting it dictate my life has been a massive difference. I really found out that I was holding on to a lot of guilt that I was unaware of. Although my life circumstances had changed, I was still perpetuating a negative outward towards my kids' future until I got more conscious. Alex Labonte, Canada. Fear and shame. I carried this for 23 years. I've been a mum for almost 24 years. I love my daughter with all my heart, and she is truly one of the best things that ever happened to me, even though bringing her into this world was not an easy task. My pregnancy was filled with emergency room visits due to a condition called hyperthermesis, which happens to some women during pregnancy, causing severe nausea, vomiting, weight loss, and dehydration. For much of my pregnancy, I lived with bruises on my arms, legs, and even my feet. Each time I would get dehydrated, it was another trip to the hospital and some time hours being poked getting IV access as my veins were virtually non-existent. After a month of this torture, they placed a PICC line catheter inside a vein in my arm. This allowed me to connect to an IV drip that fed me daily for several months because I could not eat or keep food down. This process went on for the majority of my pregnancy. I worked for approximately one month during entire nine months. As a result, when my daughter was born, I was destitute and started to suffer postpartum depression. To cope, I began having a sexual relationship with a co-worker, and in spite of being on birth control, I got pregnant again. At the time I discovered that I was pregnant, I was in the midst of a severe back injury and receiving treatment, which included many diagnostic radiation scans. I also required assistance to walk. The nausea began again, and all I could think about was another nine months of what I had gone through with my daughter's pregnancy. I knew I did not have the physical or emotional strength to make it through with my depression and injury. I struggled to make the decision to have an abortion. When I had gotten pregnant with my daughter, my grandmother had insisted I get an abortion because in her eyes, I was an embarrassment to the family. Most of my family disowned me because I made a choice to bring my daughter into this world as a single mum. So to choose abortion, what I had refused previously, was difficult. At the time, I carried tremendous shame put on me by my family over my choice to have my daughter. 
Years later, in a conversation with my daughter, we talked about abortion and her statement to me was, well, I would have an abortion and you would disown me. I knew I could no longer keep the secret and I shared this story with her. What my daughter did learn and what I learned is that I have unconditional love for her and for myself. I made a choice I felt that was best for me as well as for her at the time. I had an abortion knowing I wouldn't be able to make and manage a second pregnancy. I love my daughter and I love being a mum. I release my guilt and shame right here, right now. I had an abortion. Anyone else? And that's by Jill Strawn from Vista, California. 